Well, welcome everybody to another Snap No Tap podcast. Tony Cicchini here with the one and only Martin Witkowski. Uh We've been amiss, but things are happening in our lives, I guess. Martin, how you been? I've been good, Tony. I've been, uh, you know, things have been amiss, but we haven't missed a workout. We had a very nice uh, seminar again at uh, Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness. And, uh, you know, we worked on the things that we usually work on, which is some wrestling and some boxing. And uh, everybody had a good time. Yeah, Brian Deneve stopped down there, which was a nice surprise. I did not know that he was going to be there until, what, a couple hours before the seminar or something like that. So I was very, it was very great to see him again. Right. And, uh, you know, for those that haven't been there but kind of follow along, like Tony um, has been showing some variations from a pin from basically what you would consider to be side control and how to get into a situation where you can control the head, put some pressure on it and get kind of a stockade slash neck crank out of it. It's not very often used, but you know, it's, it's such a easy move to go for if you're in that position, right? Like none of us felt like we were giving up anything by transitioning into that from just a regular side control. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to each his, his own, uh, but when you're fighting, fighting, and and that and that means uh, non-competitive in any stretch of the imagination, you know, uh, you got to go for a win. You know, uh, even if you're in a let's say a MMA match or a sport grappling match, there's still rules, there's still judges, there's points, you know, so you can game the system in a way. But when you're really fighting fighting you don't have that luxury you you got to go for the kill so to speak so that's what we tend to do uh that's right so what one of the things that tony was uh focusing on and you know <coughs> if, if it's a technique you can find on tony's uh materials you should look at it uh is the fact that this exposes the face in a way that it can now be attacked you know tony was talking about eye gouging but it would also allow you to land really accurate and unopposed uncontested punches which you don't really see that often in UFC. There is a lot of like posturing to the judges and not really that much effective striking going on anymore. You know, uh, yeah, the thing, yeah, again, the, uh, well, we, we filmed a little section also before for the membership site, um, which wasn't part of the little workshop, but we film it before we start the workshop on how, like when guys try to body lock you and they're putting you in what's so called a, a butterfly guard, how easy it is to neck crank them from there. Um, be And again, the reason you don't see it is because, you know, certain styles don't emphasize those types of submissions or they, you know, uh, if it's straight grappling without strikes, you can do a lot of things that, you know, if, if a guy could hit you or, elbow you or headbutt you or bite you or whatever, you know, would be, uh, would be useless. And it's, you know, so I like it the way it is with us because we take all the sport aspect out of it, you know, with, 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 with the rules and the restrictions and we just go as, you know, pretty much as raw as, as you can. So that's what I enjoy the most. And at this point in my life, that's, what I want to teach, and I'm glad you guys want to learn it. Right. And, you know, speaking of sports, right, like a lot of, we, we've talked about this before, but a lot of what happens in a sporting environment is things get skewed towards what the rules are, right? So, like, we've talked about how um, some of the striking can be sloppy because you just really have to impress the judge enough to stop the fight, even if there isn't any damage being done. And then recently in the news, um, they've been relaxing or swimming away from stringent drug testing. So we're pretty pretty soon we're going to have ultimate, uh, you know, drug championships. And basically whoever's on the better drugs will win. So You know, I'm vehemently, you I'm, I'm vehemently opposed to that. I guess I'm uh, pious about it or whatever, uh, sanctimonious. Uh, I never did a performance-enhancing drug. Never wanted to. You think about it like, wow, if I'm lifting X amount of weight now, I wonder how much I could be doing if I, you know, if I was doing the drugs or I ran this fast, how much quicker could I have run? But for me, it's just the phoniness of it, you know, and you've without 
dropping names in your own personal life, people that I don't know, but you do, you've seen how they can make tremendous gains, like in amazingly short time. But when they eventually stop the drugs, they lose everything. And it, and it's funny. Um, I've seen people, one guy in particular, I don't remember his name, Kevin and I, well, Kevin knew him more, more than me. He was around my age, maybe a little younger, but he was like Mr. Illinois or something like that. He was, I believe it was actually Mr. Illinois bodybuilder. And he freely talked about his drug use, you know, his performance enhancing drug use. Uh, But to look at him when I knew him, you never would have thought he ever lifted a weight in his life. You know, um, whereas me, I, I go, I get a little smaller, you know, but that's only because I'm not pumped up, but my chest, everything else, I'm, I'm pretty much the same as when I was back in my heyday. And, and I think that's one of the most, that's the beautiful thing about being a natural athlete. You retain, uh, you know, your physique or your abilities, uh, unless, of course, you get injured. That's a whole different story. That's why a lot of my strength went away because of injuries, and I don't pound heavy. But I just felt, I've always felt that I want to be real, you know. And thankfully, I lived in a world of ignorance. Um, there was no Internet in my day. I, I was not really aware of performance-enhancing drugs until sometime in my 20s, Uh and I'm like, well, you know, because I actually believe like a lot of people when I was a teenager, oh, yeah, all I got to do is eat my pro- drink my protein and do whatever they, they said in the, you know, muscle and fitness magazines. And it was because I had no nobody really talking to me about that. Um, Rob, I didn't talk about that stuff. Yeah. Then I find out oh, it's really all drugs. And I was so glad I never got into that. But. Other people look at it differently. They think it's a fountain of youth. I don't know, but it's a very expensive fountain of youth because you got to stay on that stuff the rest of your life if you want to maintain what you have. Kind of like people now that are taking Botox injections or something. You got to keep on doing it or you become addicted to plastic surgeries and shit. I don't know. It's not for me. Right. But even when you were younger or like, or even after, you know, you had some catastrophic health issues was there even an option to you know try to short circuit your recovery time by you know trying to load up on some of these drugs or they weren't even available back then i mean you know they've been going leaps and bounds was available 10 15 years ago well i mean there was drugs available naturally but i already had a catastrophic health injury taking the drugs would have made it even more risky for me why would i want to do that but on that note, what ended up happening with, with the like the aneurysm thing, I ended up, I don't want to get into a whole long story, but when you're in great shape and then you end up pretty much almost, you're helpless. I said to myself, I never want to get into that position again. So I wanted to get overkill. I wanted to get over strong, as strong as I naturally could. Therefore, if I had another setback, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to go back to gr- ground zero, I hope. You know, I, I, I'm still going to have, I, I, this sounds like arrogant, but I could go back to like a normal man's strength. Okay. Um, so Some that was a baseline. Right? Yeah. Like a baseline. Right. So that was my take on it. But the thought of taking drugs, I, I just never thought about it, Kevin, either. You know, we just did everything the way we did naturally. And that's how we wanted to keep it. Um, you know, and Kevin, you know how strong he was up until the very end. And for those of you who may not know him, he he died in a plane crash. So, you know, it wasn't like his health got to him or something. No, he was 70 years old when he when he, you know, got killed in the plane crash. And he was still at a, at 190 pounds uh, benching mid 300s drug free. I mean, that's world record poundage for that age group. The, the guy was a freak. Right. So you, you've mentioned an increased health risk. Like, I, mean, I mean, some people have been dropping dead from like stroking out as a result of, you know, years long steroid abuse. Um, there's also like some effectively weird 
growth side, like it's it's less controlled the the kind of gains you make on drugs. Like I I remember you you would refuse uh, allowing people to um, participate in our gym if we suspected that there were drug users. Some people would freely admit it. Like there was a guy that came in to work out a couple times who was Mr. Natural Illinois, a runner up or something like that. But he said this whole Mr. Natural thing was complete bullshit and he was on drugs all the time when he was competing. So what are some of the other side effects that you had seen from people that were like potentially on PEDs? Personality disorders or whatever, personality changes. Uh, the roid rages, they call it. Uh, those, there's more to, okay, that's real. Okay, now here's the problem when you're in the gym. If you got one of these guys who is going to rage out on a beginner or let's say just an average Joe, um, that average Joe now is in danger, okay? Because if you're teaching them good moves, they can snap a guy in a heartbeat before I can jump in there and take the guy out, okay? Um, So that's number one. The other thing is they have – almost bipolar-like mood swings at times where they can get very euphoric and, like, all pumped up, like, hooray, happy, 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 uh, where it's not conducive in a gym, or they can get very depressed, okay, Uh, which is also not a very good element, not only in the gym, but in their daily life. So there are personality changes that can happen. Um, If you're on growth hormone, you can see it. People's noses and, you know, bone structures change. And, you know, it becomes freaky. And to some people, they get a high on that. Others, other people who are probably more, what's the word I'm looking for, vain. Now they start to get an attitude about that, like they hate the way they look. Uh, I've talked to a couple of women through the years that were, on the growth hormone uh, substantially. And they became mannish looking and they knew it. And it got to the point where they're like, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. I'm all in. And that's a kind of a, almost like a self mutilation kind of thing. Um, yeah. It's, it's, that whole thing where they just have to keep doing it because it's never enough, right? Like they, you, nobody just just stops saying, okay, that's enough drugs. I had it. I had what I need. Yeah, I'm sure there are that finally get that way when something catastrophic might, might happen either physically or, you know, socially to them or psychologically. But yeah, it, it's just, I've, I've seen people go off when they're on the drug. I mean, psychologically go off. Um, it's a bad scene. I can tell you a story. This isn't performance enhancing drugs, but it's still drugs. Um, when I was, you know, let's say bodyguarding a Chicago police officer that I knew. Uh, and he told me a story of when he had to arrest someone and it took about six or seven cops to subdue this guy. And it, he was, cause it was on angel dust PCP. Um, and the guy was not big. He wasn't muscular. He was just, he went crazy. And uh, ironically, maybe a week later, the guy that they arrested, because he bonded out, shows back up at the police station, at the precinct. And um, it's, he's, my, my police officer friend said, three of us put our hands on our pistols. Because we thought, here we go. And actually, the guy, he was off the drugs. That, you know, he was clean for about a week. He literally came in to apologize for what he did, you know. Um, so he had that frame of mind now that he was clean for a little bit. He just wanted to apologize to the police officer. So it was a, you know, good story. But when my cop friend Richie told me that, I'm like, yeah. He says, this Tony, he says, this guy had, he was like superhuman, like freak, freak strength. Um, and one other thing you have to bear with, bear in mind, when you're training with people who are on certain drugs or cocktail drugs, you know, combination of drugs, they can have pretty much insane pain tolerance. This is talking about in the gym now. Of course, we know what can happen in the street. They can have incredible pain tolerance to where, you know, you may injure them 
um, they won't even feel it. Maybe tomorrow or whenever they'll they'll feel it. And now as a gym owner, if something bad happens, that person can come back and sue you. You know, um, you have to be careful. It's it, to me in my life, the way I live, it's never a win, a win situation. It's always a losing proposition because you're building your, everything you have on fake and you could be super strong and power out of moves because of your drugs. But if you quit like somebody that, you know, no names and he's, he lost all, you know, all his strength, even if he was capable of muscling out previously, he's not going to muscle out anymore. So, you know, he should right. have he didn't, learn the, he didn't learn the right techniques to get out of it. So, you know, the, the short the, the short circuit worked against him in a way because, you know, he cut ahead of the line by using the drugs, but now he's behind. He missed out yeah. on the actual training. But there are plenty of men and women, you know, that, you know, you can retain your natural strength, you know, even as you get older. And, you know, and you can still use your natural muscles you know, to, to help you in, in your athletic endeavors or in your self-defense situation. And, you know, it's, to me, that's just the way to go in life. Right. It's interesting. Also, like, you know, speaking of age, seeing as, you know, we're, we're focusing on what to do and what to train given limited time, getting older. I was listening recently to a podcast that had Arnold Schwarzenegger as a guest. And he came and had a chat with the with the two guys that used to do the uh, Hans and Franz skit on Saturday Night Live. I, I know you might have not seen it because, like, you know, the ten year difference between us means that, like, if something was so epic that it lasted ten years, we would have seen it, both of us. But yeah. if it's something I've seen, but it didn't last ten years ago compared to like when I was watching it, then you might have missed it. But anyway, these are these are both skinny comedians, and Arnold said that one of his regrets is that he did not manage his body weight, his bulk later in life. And he's jealous of those guys being skinny and lean in their older years. Oh, well, look at you. You're you're not skinny, but you're lean. Yeah, no, I can get that. I think Schwarzenegger has some body dysmorphia going on right now. I really do think that he has, because, you know, he's a self-admitted, you know, performance-enhancing drug user. Um, and yeah, but, but also if there was one point in life that he had arguably the greatest physique in male physique in the world uh so when you go from being that way and that took a lot of work you know i mean more work than i would ever want to do because it's round the clock work you know uh you're not going to maintain that kind of stuff just like your great great strength or your your sprinting speed or your swimming speed you're gonna lose it so on that note though let me bring this up there used to be an actor named buster crab now, Buster Crab is from the – he acted in the 30s and 40s and so on. He was a champion swimmer. He was in the 1928 Olympics where he won a bronze medal, I think, in the 1,500 meters. In 1932, he won the gold medal in the 400 meters. And, you know, he did a lot of the action flicks. Uh, he did uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, Buck Rogers and all of that. Well – he pretty much kept in shape his whole life. As a matter of fact, when he was 63, 63, he set a, an age group world record in the 400 meters swimming. And throughout all of his life, he set tremendous amounts of national and world records and world championships. Cause he, even though he was an actor and he did other shit, he kept on swimming and doing other exercises. Now he never looked like Schwarzenegger. He was not a bodybuilder. And he admitted that when he would get out of, in between movies, he he said I would get out of shape. And his getting out of shape is like my getting out of shape. He puts on 10 or 15 pounds, right? That's nothing. You can lose that, you know, in a, two, three weeks. Um, so I, I admired him even as, even as a kid because, you know, my grandfather was a fan and of him and Johnny Weissmiller. But – to con to contrast that with Schwarzenegger, you know Schwarzenegger, when he stepped away from Mr. Olympia, you know he stepped away completely. He may have lifted, but you can watch him even in his movies. He got smaller, 
And then, oh, you know, his life got in the way, politics and everything that he got into. Um, but he was so over the top, Arnold. There's just no way to keep that up. You know? Right. Right. And I think his regret is that he didn't gradually shrink to a more reasonable size later in life to like have because, you know, he's he's has health issues now. And I think that's probably related to his, you know, performance enhancing drug intake back in the day. I don't know. You know, I mean, I never met the guy. I'd be, you know, it'd be cool to meet him, you know, but, or talk to him or get him on the podcast, but you know, who are we? Uh, I've met, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I've, I've been on the cusp of the bodybuilding world. I mean, I was never a bodybuilder. I admired the hard work that those guys did. It was beyond something that I would ever commit to. Um, And because of my, I don't know, because of my lifestyle, my Italian shit, the food I like and everything, I could never get, I never wanted to get that lean neck cut. Uh, and I didn't want to do the drugs because I, you know, you, you knew then. I mean, I knew by the time I was like 21, 22, whatever, it's all drugs to get to that level. I, I wasn't going to do that. So bodybuilding never appealed to me. Um, and strength did <clears throat> only because, uh, I, I, I knew I couldn't be the world's strongest man because, again, there would be drugs involved. But I set goals for myself based on my fighting ability, knowing if I reach this point, anything more is diminishing returns. This level of strength is enough to do, to, to enable me to handle any guy uh, in the world on a, in a fair fight. And, you know, it, it was it was, you know, but to just out and out outmuscle these guys or win strongman competitions would have been that would have, that's beyond me right well you know in, in a way i think the pendulum is unfortunately swinging towards things being more of a clown show and uh and sports will suffer as a result right because now that we're openly allowing certain drugs the ufc is basically saying they're going to tailor their drug testing to their athletes well that means that if you're a big enough name you can get whatever testing you want done which means you're never going to get caught so it's, it's going to be a clown show well you you mentioned that to me the other day because i don't follow it so i i didn't know anything about it but i think that that's uh they're uh playing with fire with that remember what was it 20 years ago 30 years ago maybe whatever it was with with the wwf at the time or maybe they became the wwe and you know, there was all that steroid scandal and, of course, Major League Baseball with the steroid scandal. And, you know, um, no matter what their rules are for testing or not testing, these are still illegal drugs in this country. OK, and probably other countries as well. So, you know. Well, yeah, right. And and so so follow this logic, because the UFC has been sued before. They've been sued because Brock Lesnar got caught being on drugs when he beat Mark Hunt in one of their fights. And the logic is the UFC knew about it. So that was like letting Brock Lesnar bring a gun to a knife fight. Everything is so tightly controlled. They have weight classes. They have (coughs) restrictions on equipment, on this, that. But all of a sudden, this one guy is allowed to get himself choked up on drugs. That seems like, you know, a very unfair advantage. And Mark Hunt's argument was they were playing with his life. Well, there's okay. So let's talk about that a little bit uh, about the unfair advantage. One of the things that, depending again on the drugs and how you're, you know, using them, you know, it really aids in your recovery period. Okay. Now people say, well, you know, you can take all the steroids in the world or whatever. You still got to lift. Yeah. But the difference is, I, you can lift crazy amounts seven days a week and make gains both body wise and strength wise and and all of that stuff. People who aren't on drugs cannot do that. All right. Or people who are taking minor amounts of drugs or not the right cocktails because they don't have the financial wherewithal to do it. Uh, It's just, there are so many unseen advantages even healing from injuries sometimes. I guess there are certain things that can be done unless it's a you know surgical repair. Um you know, and then that's then it's a gateway also to 
analgesic type of drugs or, uh, you know, crazy amounts of recreational drugs. You know, I like to shoot pool. And there was, I mean, drugs at one point, I don't know if it still is, but drugs, not steroid drugs, but cocaine and all that kind of pills and everything took over the pool world. You know, and these guys are popping shit so they could play 36, 48 hours in gambling marathon sessions. All right. Whereas a person like that's clean, you're going to burn out. You can't do it. All right. You just, it's just, it's impossible. Just and I believe there was also a poke. Right? Huh? Yeah. You're going to lose concentration. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Concentration. You're going to go to sleep. This shit keeps you jacked up and wired. So yeah, <clears throat> there is unfair advantages. Maybe not the day of the fight. Okay. Maybe the one fighter goes clean a couple of weeks before. It doesn't matter though. He, he or she had been taking the drugs for so long, they're, they're, they're physically at a peak. Strength, endurance, and technique-wise, because they were able to put in far more hours than you were in the gym, okay? So, yeah, it's, I, you know, I don't get it. I, I But, the, you know, you probably if we could get somebody that, that's honest about their drug use and come on the show, and have them explain why they do it and their reasoning behind it. I'd, I'd like to hear it. Um, I really would. I would like to hear their side of it. No, you know, it would, it would, it would educate me and I'm sure it would educate you to hear their point, but one of these days they're going to get off of it. And then what? Right. Yeah. And then the gains aren't there. They go away with the drugs. You so, might go yeah. negative. Yeah, that that's right. That's right. That that's what happened to the person I know. They they've had to work their way back up to be at less than I was comparatively, but it's probably more realistic for them. So it's just not not a sustainable uh, pathway. But you know, the the whole world of sports is is going in, in on the clown show, right? So there's one there's a clown show coming up this weekend, uh, and that's uh, in heavyweights. We have uh, the UFC champion against. Uh, heavyweight boxing champion and they did a recently like a open boxing workout so they you know they they came to the ring and they hit pads with their with the trainer so you know they, they have these clips are widely available okay so, now please they, tell me who i'm who i'm watching and what am i supposed to look at i don't know these so, people. so this is the the ufc champion this is francis nagano who's like a giant of a man from uh cameroon but nobody is going to say that he's a particularly skilled boxer. And this is his, you know, open workout on the pads on the two days before the fight. So, you know, I watch a lot of boxing. I am nowhere near the expert you are because you have done more of it. So you, you certainly know what to look for. But to me, this guy looks uh, very floppy in a sense that he's really for a guy that size he doesn't seem to be really driving with his punches and he's not really channeling his power well, arm punches for one and of course right. the guy throwing the mitts doesn't look like he's really into it and it's probably uh exaggerating but i mean at his size he's going to have some sort of power but certainly nothing that tyson fury has ever faced like yeah this, this is this might look good to someone who's not involved but this is not world class here and if you notice see when he throws that jab if you can rewind it watch his right arm his right hand he opens up he goes wide like i i, I bitch about never do this w watch when he throws his left see right there you yeah, just see yeah. how the, the right hand pulled he back and back the up. right hands yeah, yeah that's just hor that's just horrible um that's something that you know i picked up instantly when you did it because you know that's a that, that's a flaw in his technique you know, I if I was fighting a guy, I can't. I try to capitalize on that absolutely. Um, and believe me, Tyson Fury, if the fight is legitimate, which you know, I'm see, he did it. He you can yeah, see yeah. how he's opening it up. That's just terrible. But I don't know that these blown up exhibition matches are really even what I would consider legitimate. I just, I you know, I. I, I just, you know, I think it's just a circus, like like you said. Now, he just dropped his right hand. Tyson Fury's dropping his right hand before he throws it. He's setting himself up for a left hook right there. 
Drop but what I notice is that he's doubling up his jab, and it's nice and quick. Yeah, his, but watch his right hand. He's dropping it, which is not good. No, we got to get to that same clip. Yeah. He, let's – I think that might have been it there. Oh. Rewind, I don't know. Get Yeah, like right there. See, right before he throws it, see how he's dropping it? Can you do it in slow motion somehow? Uh, I don't think this one lets me do that. It's not oh, busy. that's too bad. But, yeah, Tyson Fury's definitely dropping his, le- his right hand before he launches it. So he's vulnerable for a left hook. Um, Again, easier said than done, but you've got to look at this. You've got to, you know, you can't look at a fighter as invincible. You have to look at his flaws, his feet, his footwork there. At least he's pivoting. He's, you can tell he's got some power. He looks like he's going to point that out. He's turning into his punches and sitting on them a little bit. Yeah. And he, he he looks like he's a little thinner than I've seen him. He, He looks like he's in, in shape. Um, but you always want to look for a flaw because everybody has one and not a momentary flaw, but a repeatable flaw. You know, if there's a hitch in his delivery, if there's a hitch in his stance or something, um, that you can just capitalize on over and over in the course of a fight, and maybe score points or, or, or score the KO. My opinion, I mean, this is a no brainer. If it's a boxing match, you would assume that you know Tyson Fury is going to win, and you would assume he would win convincingly, but we're not living in his, in one hundred percent reality anymore. To be honest with you, right? It's a clown show, right? So, it's so initially, money. initially the money was on this going like long rounds. He's gonna carry him, but then Tyson Fury signed a match for a legitimate heavyweight title, and. And now they're thinking he's going to get him out of there quick. So the money. When's his moves. title fight? Is his fight is at the end of December. So okay, he only so gave it to... two months away. Yes. So eight weeks. So let's talk about that. Doing this, it has to be. There's something more to it than we know. That's probably one of the reasons. Like Fury is in in pretty good condition now because he's got another fight coming up. Yeah, he he's midway through camp. Here's the issue, the biggest issue is if he gets cut in this fight by a accidental headbutt, intentional headbutt or anything, cut above the eye, this or that, that could destroy his fight in December. Scar tissue, now he's going to bleed out in the future. Um, it's very, very risky for him to do this. So, I'm th- and I don't know the details of how much money he's making for this fight or the championship fight, but right there is almost like a tell to me that, you know, it may not necessarily be <clears throat> be on the level. I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's just yeah, my no, suspicion. It, it's such a clown show that you're absolutely right to be suspicious, right? Like, you're not the only one saying that. Other people are saying that he's so far beyond his opposition that he's just going to get it out of there and get it done real quick. But then the fans will go unhappy, right? So so well, I don't know if that's, that's going to be a, an avenue there. Uh, what, like, what the pros are saying, sorry, go ahead. No, it was like McGregor and uh, Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather could have taken his ass out early, you know, I mean, easily. With just a flurry of punches, it would have been, you know, would have been. But, you know, Mayweather carried him to put on a show. Um, I don't know Tyson Fury's mindset, if he really gives two shits about the fans. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm saying I don't know. Uh, Whereas we know Floyd Mayweather is all about the promotion. Um I don't want to see Tyson Fury in this fight. I don't want to see this um, Cameroonian guy, UFC guy, box. I don't want to see that. He's not a boxer. Right. You know, there's plenty of heavyweights that would be chomping at the bit for a chance at this, just as there were with, with the Mayweather thing, um, that they didn't get their chance because because of this carnival atmosphere stuff. It, it, it hurts boxing. It hurts boxing, and it's just not a meaningful fight in any way. Like what what the pros are saying is that you know the the chance that Maganu has the Cameroonian man is just to swing as wildly as possible and hope he gets lucky. Yeah. Right? Because what's the point of him training boxing right now? He's not going to catch up to the level of somebody that's been doing it all their life. So just go at it because you're big and you're strong. You might get lucky, one in a million, right? Who knows. Well, listen, boxing has always been um, tainted with, you know, fighters taking a dive. Uh, It's carried over into other 
comp, you know, contact sports and shit uh, like that. Um, you know, I, I, again, I am not saying that I don't think Tyson Fury would take a dive, but there could be an arrangement. <clears throat> you don't know. Just like in pro, let's talk about pro wrestling again, without mentioning any names, but uh, you know, pro wrestling is a complete work and has been for forever and ever and ever. But it doesn't mean that you still can't get double-crossed in the ring. It's happened a lot. And sometimes matches turn into shoot matches, or sometimes, you know, when you're completely voluntarily allowing, let's say, somebody to pin you, and at the count of three, right before the count of three, you're supposed to kick out, and the guy on top is supposed to let you get out, and all of a sudden he decides, I'm not going to do it, or you feed him a submission hold, and all of a sudden he's not going to let go. Uh, you always have to watch out for that, okay? Uh, yeah, because it's happened. It's happened a lot of times, these these damn double crosses. Uh, so, yeah, who knows? Uh, who knows what's going to happen with this fight? Guess what, though? I'm not going to lose sleep over it tonight. <laughs> no, it's, it's a meaningless fight. Even if you're a sports fan like I am, you know, I, I love watching boxing, but I'm not... I don't care how this turns out. It doesn't mean anything. Um, but I wanted to uh, spend like the last uh, segment, you know, the, um, of of us talking, to focus a little bit on a on a training technique because you know, like I like to keep things kind of get a record of what you think about certain things, and so it can help us with arranging some kind of a training plan so we can meet once a month and then on Zoom or whatever and work towards something. Um, so one of the things that I've heard somebody say a long time ago is that eh, if you're not going to be a serious boxer, why don't you just learn a jab and a right cross? And that's all you need. Forget everything else. Um, what do you think about a hook, right? Like I, I know hook is a complicated, much more complicated punch to learn. We've gone through the mechanics a few times. There's a ton of tutorials on the internet. Everybody shows you how to do a hook. But why should you even bother learning a hook? Because it's a devastating. The best punches are the shortest punches, six-inch punches. And the hook falls into that category because many times the hook can come at you as at the opponent outside of his field of vision. Okay. And it can generate tremendous amounts of power. Now I can't tell you how long, cause everybody's different, how, how long it would take you to learn, to learn a hook. I've seen guys who have spent lots of time on their jab and their jab sucks. Okay. So it's not so much the time, per se, it's the quality of your training in that period of time. I believe a hook is absolutely mandatory. A jab to me is number one, because there's a lot, you know, you can keep a person away with your jab and there's other things with it. But as far as knockout power, you got to learn jab cross right hand or a, a jab cross left hook. Uh, and I'm not going to say don't learn an uppercut either, but if I had my druthers, it's going to be only three punches, jab, cross, left hook. Uh, that's for me. But, but again, it, you know, it's like lifting. Right, let's go back to the bodybuilding thing. It's like bodybuilders or weightlifters that only work their upper body. I didn't work my legs because I had a back injury, but most normal people, they're going to work their legs too. You want to be balanced. So when when you learn how to cross and uppercut and hook and jab, the whole world opens up to you. So let's put it this way. Let's say you spend one year training the jab and the cross, all right, and then you finally have to use it and, it, you know, and it may work for you. But if you spent six months learning jab, cross, or jab, right hand, uppercut, cross, you you may be able to take somebody out because of the combination of punches in only six months. So, yeah, I, I don't believe in this just learning jab and and, and cross. I, I, I throw that hook in there, if nothing else. Might as well throw that elbow, uh, uppercut in there, you know. And another thing with the hook, that's easy to convert, convert it into, oh, th now there's a hook guy right there, Tommy Moore. I was going to say that you think the hook is devastating. So, yes. I you know, I prepared some examples. And you know this is uh, something that people well, always on drugs to. too. But let's see. Yeah, he had a great left hook. And there is see the head movement. He's yeah. he's trying to do like a Tyson, Mike Tyson thing. Boom! Dropped him. Rewind that. 
Yeah, let me see if I can do it a little slower pace. Yeah. Half speed. Yeah. So, you know, and then we, we were talking about clown shows and that the, his opponent, Donovan Razor Ruddock, who is 55, is going to be fighting James Tony. He He's the opponent. Oh, well, Ruddock was not a clown in the day, okay? Well, now it's a clown show. That's what I'm saying. This is Yes. Yeah. Okay, but watch this up now. But but Morrison, he's looking for that angle. See, he's looking to open him up. You know, he's looking with he's moving his head. He's going left and right, a little bit like a pendulum. See how he went right, then a little bit left. He's out of the see, he's feeding it, he's getting his distance now. He knows he's out of punching range there, and so he's got to step in. This is all strategy here on Tommy's part. Okay, he's stalking, stalking. Boom. He knows it. There's the jab. It should be coming after. Yeah, he's in. Boom. Perfect. Yeah, he, he did that. He did that super right. You know, he got in tight, led with the head, and, you know, dropped him. Watch it again. That's He's going to come in with his head. Boom. Damn. Excellent. Came in with the head, stepped back to get his range, and that's it. Well so, done. And Tyson's another one. You want to watch Tyson's left hook, Joe Frazier back in the day, you know? I got that one queued up. I was going to show that one next. Who? Uh, but, uh, Joe Frazier. Oh, yeah, please. I'd like to see it. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that's uh, really remarkable about some of these hooks is that uh, the other guy, like you said, doesn't see it coming. And consequently, like, it really feels like everything gets in on that. It's not just a partial glancing blow. It's just like the whole universe stops. It's an electric shock. It's, 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 it's a stunning because you can't brace yourself for it. It's, you know, I, I remember when I was a young kid. Don't start this video yet. When I was a young kid, Ali was on an interview and he said he he normally never went down or never got hurt from the hardest punches. He said it was the punches that he didn't see. Okay. But hard punches, you can see it. You can brace yourself. You know, it's going to hurt, but you know, your psyche takes over. But when you don't see this punch coming, bam, you know, and you go down. Let's see this now. I like this. Now you got me excited. This is good. See, he dropped him with that left hook. Now, it's obvious to me, this is probably where he broke Ali's jaw. Boom. Uh, Ali dropped that right hand, probably a little bit of fatigue because these guys fought wars. Uh, rewind it again, please. Yeah, low right hand. See, Ali's hand was down by his hip. You know, and hey, Yeah, he was cocking it. He, almost he was, the, you know, they call him the greatest, but boy, the greatest really... Uh, you know, that's a blunder there. See, again, that's why I bitch at you guys. And I, keep your hands up. Keep your chin down. Because if this shit can happen to Ali, it'll definitely happen to you guys. So if you keep your hands up at all times and fight from a defensive mindset and don't keep your hands low, your chances of preventing this are are phenomenal. But you've got to also remember a good puncher will go around your your guard and still nail you with the hook. Or if you're if you're hip, let's say you're keeping your hand low by your jaw, he'll he'll hook you to the temple. So you've really got to keep you've really got to you know be able to bring those hands up, pay attention at all times, and have the conditioning uh, to do it. I know Ali got his jaw broken in one of the fights, so this probably was maybe this was it. I don't recall. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. There was some controversy about like. You know, this fight should have been stopped because it was a pretty brutal knockdown. And then Ali doesn't really have his wits about him, but they let it go on. And I think he ultimately got the decision in this fight. But it was um, like, yeah, he's loopy from this. Like, it's just, Oh, there's you know, always been gift decisions. Like, you know, to me, the Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, Hagler won that fight. Um, and, and he died knowing he won that fight. Shit happens. Well, um, he quit boxing over it. He said he ain't going to box again. That's He's done. That's bullshit. Well, it, it was bullshit, you know, uh, but the fact that, and, and, and Sugar Ray Leonard was an idol of mine, one of my boxing idols, you know, um, but Hagler, you know, was just, 
a, a supreme lefty beast, you know. Um, but yeah, you know that. that see now, uh, Frazier didn't have the skill set like athleticism. Okay, I, I guess what I'm saying. He made the most of what he had. He was a smaller guy, you know, and he would come in, and you know, he took a lot of punishment. It, you know, even when he was still fighting, he was slurring his words and shit. You know, he took a lot of punishment. Um, you know, when he fought George Foreman, boy, that was, you know, a fight that, you know, shouldn't have happened. Thank goodness it didn't last long, but you know, he literally got lifted off his feet like a cartoon thing. Um, you know, and Foreman was just, you know, merciless. It's just merciless. Well, he hit like a truck. I mean, you know, come on him and Ernie Shavers. Yeah. At one point in that fight, Foreman hits him so hard. He spins him around and then he, Punches him in the back of the head. It's brutal. Hard yeah, well, uh, you know, Foreman, well, uh, you know, he's another guy who, you know, said some stuff about the fight, you know, the thriller, uh, uh, the uh, Kinshasa's Ayer fight that, you know, he felt he was drugged, you know, that his corner man may have been in on it, you know, and put uh, sedatives or put whatever it was in his, in his water, uh, you know, it sure did look, I mean, he did look out, out of sorts, but, and the fight got, of course, postponed, and, you know, there was a lot of sharking going on, you know, in the Ali uh, thing, um, you know, and, I, you know, he, he was known to do that. I think there was one fight, I forgot who, who it was, where Angelo Dundee actually slid his glove with a, with a blade or something to stall for time to get a new glove. Um and I should bring this up. I mean, we're on the heels, and I don't want to talk about this just outside of coincidentally. We're on the heels of that horrible tragedy in Lewiston, Maine. And Lewiston, Maine was the site of the Ali Liston, first Ali Liston fight. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know that. And of course, you know, that's tainted to this day, you know, with the Phantom Punch, was yeah, it set tra- up and so on. Yeah, right, and the tragic end to Liston shortly thereafter. I mean, like, he was kind of done after that fight. There was something that I was watching about Liston recently. Like he was a much older man than people thought. Like nobody knew exactly when he was born. So he reached like the heavyweight stardom. Probably people are estimated about 40 years old. Well, and he was mobbed up too. So you never know, but especially back then. There was a lot of, you know, there's nothing is really cut and dry. So we can, this is like the JFK conspiracy. You know, you could, you could talk about all of this to, Till you know you're blue in the face, but I, you know I uh, I don't know, man. Liston was a beast, and I I, I wasn't even born, but you know uh, if w- Liston was a beast, I'm I'm in you know I'm surprised Muhammad Ali as great as he was, I'm surprised he won those fights. If you know, but you know it happened. Okay, yeah. So just to close out. Um... You know, let's finish with some tips for maybe people like me that are going to practice on their own. What are some of the things that we could do to like practice the hook? I'll show you a video of a guy, a Canadian boxer named Ryan Rosicki, who's he posts some like videos on his Facebook page. And, you know, he he basically hammers at the bag. So, you know, I could do that, but I don't know if that's the most effective thing I could do. And he's a pro. So, you know, this may be what he needs to work on. Um, Yeah, those are. Well, watch his feet more than anything. I mean, he's swinging wild purposely, but that's, you know, to build up the torque. And that's, you know, those are hard shots. Uh, but more importantly, watch, well, there, that, that last one, he pivoted with his left. I'm, I'm watching his left left hand. Um, see, he didn't pivot on that one. But there, there's some pivots. He's raising up on his heel. That's fine. That's good, getting the torque, you know. Uh, yeah, you, know, you could you could try to mimic that. Um, what I don't the, there's a danger. I mean, who, who am I to? I don't know this guy, but who am I to give critique here? But just remember one thing: your head. Whenever you throw a punch, you're going to leave yourself open, and try not to leave an open head in front of your opponent for too long. Like that was a five, six, seven, eight punch combination or something like that. Get out of the habit of keeping your head exposed. Can you rewind that one more time? Or sure, yeah. I mean, this is it, it kind of goes. This is loop. really important. I mean, all the punching in the world is not going to do you any good if your head's wide open. 
see, see, there's like you can't just keep your head because those are low shots. His face is open. You know, he you could get. I'm just saying. I'm not even critiquing the the, the punches now, but you are also open for uppercuts for a short elbow if this is a real fight. You know, shit like that. Um, you know, just but yeah, those look like you know very powerful punches. Um, you know, w- without without a doubt. But also bear in mind, that's a heavy bag. A real person might step back and just throw a straight one-two if you're leaving yourself open like that. Again, I am not saying that this guy doesn't know that. I'm sure yeah, he right. does. Right. So we're saying that this is a good drill to do, but it doesn't cover all the bases that involve moving your head out of the way. And Absolutely. But if that's a drill you want to do, absolutely do it. That guy's generating power. Um yeah, and that, that see, and again, that could be the that's that's an issue a lot of times with YouTube videos uh, or any videos where you can take one section and but you can see the flaws, um, and and probably the person that produced the videos knows that, but it's not about the person who produced the video; it's about the people who are watching it who may be so absorbed in that and don't and they don't have the uh, knowledge to realize how much trouble this technique could get them into, um, you know, in in other situations. So that's the danger of being quote unquote self taught. If you don't have a good coach, you can waste a, your time doing something constantly poorly, and, and 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 get get you know, pay the ultimate price in a fight. We don't, excuse me, we don't want to see that happen. Right. Well, Tony, I guess on that note, maybe we can stop and, uh, you know, thank you for all your tips and uh, we'll chat again. Thank you too, Martin. And I'll see you next week on your uh, from home Zoom lesson. That's right. I'll be sweating with the oldies. (laughs) Take it easy. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening.